Book One, Chapter Eight of Henrietta, Volume One by Charlotte Lennox. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Book One, Chapter Eight, in which Henrietta continues her history. Absence, says a certain writer, increases violent passions and cures moderate ones just as the wind extinguishes a small flame while it makes a great one burn more fiercely mr courtney's passion was of this kind he had loved with violence from the moment he began to love in vain he had recourse to books to company to field sports and rural amusements it was not possible for him to call off his thoughts a moment from that object from whom he fled with such care two months he wore away in a constant perturbation of mind still flattering himself that he was nearer his cure while his disease gathered strength every day it happened that one evening he fell into company with some officers whose regiment was quartered in that part of the country and one of them mentioned colonel carleton and the unhappy situation his widow and daughter were left in mr courtney roused to attention by that name so dear to him pretended to be wholly ignorant of those ladies case that he might indulge himself in the pleasure of talking of her he loved the officer gave him a circumstantial detail of what he knew as well as himself, concluding with many commendations of Mrs. Carlton's good sense, prudence and virtue, and such rapturous praises of the young lady's beauty and uncommon qualifications at such early years, that Mr. Courtney, for the first time, sensible of the tortures of jealousy, could with difficulty conceal his emotions. You speak so feelingly said a gentleman in company of this young lady's perfections that i fancy you are in love with her come here is her health is it to be a match i should be but too happy in such a wife replied the officer but she deserves a better husband it is not for a poor lieutenant added he smiling to marry for love but if i was a man of fortune i should prefer miss carlton to all the women i have ever seen Mr. Courtney afterwards declared that he suffered inconceivable anguish during this conversation. He quitted the company with some precipitation, and when he was at liberty to reflect, he reproached himself a thousand times for his folly in leaving such a treasure for another to obtain. Every man, he thought, would look upon Miss Carlton with the same eyes as that young officer, and among them might not one be found blessed with a fortune to make her happy and above all narrow considerations, which could hinder him from making himself so. Resolutions are easily formed when the heart suggests them. Mr. Courtney, who had so long fluctuated between his passion and his prudence, was, by the fear of losing what he loved, determined in an instant to put it past the possibility of losing her. His father's anger, which at first appeared so formidable to him, was now considered as a trifle that would be easily got over, he was not going to introduce any stale mistress into a noble family, nor to give a comedian or singer for a sister to his sisters, and a daughter to his mother. Alliances so much in fashion with the present race of nobility, and the people of fashion, in Miss Carton he should marry birth, beauty, virtue, every perfection but riches, but unhappily that, in the estimation of his father, was worth them all. His fortune indeed was undetermined. It might be great, it might be very inconsiderable, since it depended upon the will of his father. 
his father would never consent to his marriage with miss carleton but though disobliged yet loving him as he did was it likely that he would always continue inexorable besides he had a certain though a remote prospect of a large estate to which he was to succeed at the death of a relation who was old and had been married twenty years without ever having a child should he find it impossible to reconcile his father to his marriage yet he was secure at least of a genteel provision but with such excellencies as miss carleton was possessed of how could it be imagined that he should not in time conciliate his father's affections and make him approve of his choice there is no logic my dear miss woodby like the logic of the heart mr courtney as is usual on such occasions having taken his resolution before he reasoned upon the matter reasoned afterwards in such a manner as to be soon persuaded his resolution was right early the next morning he ordered his horses to be made ready and he returned to london with all imaginable expedition alighted at the house of a friend where he dismissed his servants and horses and then taking a hackney coach was driven to the street in which mrs carleton lived upon stopping at the house and inquiring for mrs carleton he was told that she had left it five weeks before and being greatly indisposed had taken lodgings at chelsea for the air mr courtney who now thought every moment an age till he saw his miss carleton and had acquainted her with his passion and his honourable intentions procured as full a direction as could be given him but notwithstanding his impatience to be with his mistress he obeyed the dictates of his duty in first going home to pay his respects to his father the earl received him a little coldly an expression of displeasure was on his countenance which however wore off by degrees as he inquired concerning his health his studies and amusements during his absence at length seeming to recollect something he went to his cabinet took out a letter the seal of which had been broke and delivered it into his son's hands assuming the same angry countenance as before mr courtney not able to imagine what all this meant opened the letter hastily and found it was from mrs carleton dated the very day of his departure and in it was enclosed the bank-note he had sent the purport of her letter was to refuse in a genteel but steady manner all pecuniary assistance from him however she thanked him for his civilities and acknowledged herself greatly obliged to him when mr courtney had read this letter which he did with much confusion the earl asked him sternly what was his design by engaging in such a commerce you are in love with the daughter added he no doubt but if you corrupt her you are not an honest man if you marry her you are no longer my son he left him as he pronounced these words and mr courtney who while he beheld it at a distance thought his father's displeasure might be sustained was overwhelmed with the first effects of it and relapsed into all his former doubts anxiety and irresolution he retired to his own chamber to consider on what he ought to do but unable to bear the cruel war which such contrary interests such opposite wishes such perplexed designs raised in his mind he hurried out of the house to lose reflection in a variety of objects and took his way to the park he walked down the mall it was crowded with company which did not in the least engage his attention he continued his walk and finding himself at buckingham gate his steps mechanically pursued the road that led to chelsea as soon as he saw himself near the place where his mistress resided all other thoughts were absorbed in the transporting reflection that he should see her within a few moments his father's threats were forgot the loss of his favour filled him with no uneasy apprehensions 
to how many revolutions is the human mind subject when passion has assumed the reins of government which reason ought to hold mr courtney had almost imperceptibly to himself resumed his first design of offering his hand to miss carleton with very little difficulty he found out the house where her mother and she lodged the door was opened to him by a girl who upon his inquiring if mrs carleton was at home told him she was sick in bed and showing him into a little parlour ran upstairs to acquaint miss as he supposed that a gentleman was there in a few minutes a vulnerable old woman appeared who had so fixed a concern upon her countenance that mr courtney shifting his thoughts from the illness of the mother to the apprehension of some possible misfortune to the daughter for love if it hopes all fears all likewise asked her with great emotion if anything extraordinary had happened to the ladies the good woman pleased with his solicitude which she thought promised some relief told him plainly that mrs carleton was in the utmost distress that she had been ill several weeks that she had not been able to procure proper advice and added she bursting into tears she has even wanted common necessaries oh my god exclaimed mr courtney with a deep sigh but miss what has become of miss alas sir replied the old woman the dear child is almost dead with fatigue and grief she has watched her mother these ten nights successively there is no persuading her to quit her for a moment i left her in an agony of sorrow for it is believed poor mrs carleton cannot live three days conduct her to me cried mr courtney eagerly i may possibly be able to comfort her let me see her i conjure you immediately stay a moment sir said the old woman stopping him for he was making towards the door i will go up first and inform the ladies there is no occasion for that said mr courtney mrs carleton knows me very well she will not i am sure be sorry to see me i have something to say to her the good woman seeing his obstinacy permitted him to follow her upstairs she gently opened the chamber door and approaching the bed where the sick lady lay told her there was a friend of hers who desired to see her mr courtney entered that moment and beheld a sight which called for more fortitude than he was at the time possessed of to support without tears mrs carleton lay extended on her bed supported by a height of cushions to facilitate her breathing which she seemed to do with great difficulty death appeared in her languid countenance and an expression of the tender anguish of a mother for the child whom she was so soon to leave exposed to the insults of a barbarous world mixed with the pious resignation of a christian was impressed on every line of it miss carleton was kneeling at the bedside and held one of her mother's hands which she was bending over in an agony of grief upon hearing what the old woman said she raised her head and directing her streaming eyes to the place where mr courtney stood showed him a face pale emaciated but lovely still at sight of him a faint blush overspread her cheeks and hastily turning to her mother it is mr courtney my dear mamma said she oh sir said mrs carleton perceiving him you are very good to seek out affliction thus i shall shortly be past all my cares but what will become of this poor helpless orphan the tears that streamed from her eyes prevented her further utterance mr courtney threw himself on his knees at the bedside 
and almost sobbing with the violence of his emotions at this affecting language oh madam said he what must you not have suffered why would you not accept what little assistance it was in my power to offer you i know your delicate scruples i come to beg you will give yourself a right to all my future services i have something to communicate to you but added he looking at the old woman who had introduced him we are not alone speak freely sir said mrs carlton this good woman is my daughter's nurse she knows all my affairs i am much indebted to her kindness and affection for my child what i have to say proceeded mr courtney relates to that dear that lovely daughter i loved her from the first moment i saw her such innocence such beauty could not suggest any impure desire as soon as i knew the force of my passion which absence first made me know i fixed its purpose permit me to offer her my hand i cannot be happy without her what did you say sir said mrs carlton excessively surprised would you marry my daughter then after a little pause no pursued she this can never be your father will not consent to it i own freely to you madam said mr courtney that i have no hopes of gaining my father's consent but when the affair is irretrievable he will be softened i am sure he will let not this scruple hinder you from giving your daughter a protector surely said mrs carlton lifting up her eyes the hand of providence is here and it would be impious to oppose its will you have my consent sir said she to mr courtney would it please god that you had his also whom it is your duty to consult on this occasion and to obey if you can mr courtney assured her that he would solicit his father's consent but that he could not be happy without miss carlton and was already determined that young lady had retired into another room at the beginning of this discourse in perturbations which may be better imagined than described mr courtney by her mother's permission attended her he approached her with a timidity which the inequality of their circumstances considered may seem surprising but those who know the nature of a sincere and violent passion will easily account for it for fear says an elegant writer always accompanies love when it is great as flames burn highest when they tremble most he took her hand and kissing it respectfully told her that mrs carton had begun his felicity by permitting him to offer himself to her acceptance as a husband but that she only could complete it by her consent miss carton blushed turned pale and blushed again at length she replied that she had no other will than her mother's but this offer added she in an accent that expressed at once her surprise and gratitude is so generous so unexpected so unhoped for the last words seemed to escape her she blushed more than before mr courtney took in all their tender meaning he kissed her hand again in a rapture of joy and was beginning to make her some passionate declarations when they heard the nurse crying out for help surprise and joy at what had so lately happened operated so powerfully on mrs carton's almost exhausted spirits that she had fallen into a fainting fit miss carton eagerly flew to her assistance mr courtney followed her with an anxious concern as soon as she recovered he told her he would instantly return to london 
and dispatch a physician to attend her and would be with her again the next evening he took a tender farewell of his mistress and calling the nurse aside gave her twenty guineas to provide whatever was wanting and hastened back to london End of book one, chapter eight.